Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Suvi Inkinen. Suvi uh, works with psychedelics and she helps people through the experience. Uh, it's some of my favorite topics, so I hope you guys enjoy. Please check me out on Instagram at NoorKidWai and all the social media platforms. I always appreciate the followers. And also like and subscribe to the podcast and give it a good rating. That always helps out. And we're also part of Comedy Here Often Podcast Network on 604 Records, so go give them a check out as well. But let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Suvi Inkinen. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with Suvi Inkinen. Suvi, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And how do I say your name? It's Just Noor. Noor. Yeah. Okay, Noor. Most yeah. likely I would say it wrong, but you know. Hey, I, I, I probably <laughs> said your last name wrong, so I think that's all right. <laughs> um, so, though, I'm really excited for this podcast because I know you're like, uh, so you are into like, uh, you help people transform. I guess that's how you'll call it, like uh, transform their life. You're kind of a coach and you help people with psychedelic integration, which is uh, something I'm extremely interested in. Um, maybe give my uh, audience a little background of how you got into this work. You mean the psychedelic work? Uh, yeah, sure. And also like uh, personal transformation as well. So I think like for a lot of people like myself who do this work, it's not a chosen career and your life is your biggest teacher. It's like you're, you're taught all these sometimes really hard things and you don't understand why you have to go through what you go through until you get to a point where you can look back and people start to come to you and you're like, Oh, that is why. Um, so for me, I always wanted to do something to help people. So I um, used to be um, a counselor and social worker in a crisis center in Finland, where I'm from um, for teens and their families. And I'm like, oh, I, this is, it's too much for my heart. And I just couldn't, it's the, you see the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. And then I went into clinical and holistic body work and the coaching was kind of always on the background there for me. Um, and, transformational work began through my own transformation when I saw like learned the tools to be okay coming from a place where I was ready to end my own life and I saw how powerful that work is and I wanted to gift it to others because I think that's why we go through that so we can give that life to someone else um, and then psychedelic work is interesting because I until I was 39 and if I had people I dated or friends who were talking about any kind of psychedelics and I just showed them the door and I'm like, not interested. I never smoked weed, did nothing. Um, partially because of the things I saw in my previous work, but also it's fear and, you know, the control and, you know, you didn't want to let go. Um, and then also what I want to change with my work um, was my stopping thing. I only heard about it being used as a drug. And I still don't have any interest for that. Uh, but I use it for transformational work and for healing work, which is a totally different ballgame and totally different thing. Um, so I got into psychedelic medicine through a lot of weird happenings um, when I was 39. Um, and it just pulled me in and I never looked back. It's like I was meant to do this work, but I needed to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was the uh, first psychedelic that you kind of tried that kind of got you like, all right, this is for me? So I, so another thing with all of this is that you don't, you don't find medicine, medicine finds you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's something I want to put out there. Um, so don't force these things. But for me, the first one was psilocybin, mm -hmm. um, which was the perfect companion for me because I, I was lacking a lot of joy in my life and it's the sacred child. It's the goofy, it's the, it's hard work with her, with them as well. But, um, it's 
Like they bring the joy and the cheekiness into the work. It's mm-hmm. not as hardcore, I think, in that way as Ayahuasca, for example. And then Pedro was the, the one that kind of came to me and shook me and said, okay, work with me. So those two are my main ones. Okay, so psilocybin, which would be mushrooms, and then Pedro, which is like San Pedro, the cactus, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, can you actually tell our audience a little bit of like the difference between them, like, and just kind of how they operate? Uh, you mean those two different medicines? Yes. So, um, and this is another thing that I want to say to everyone. Everybody's perception and idea and thought of the medicine is their own. So whether you read things or not, think for yourself and feel what it is for you. And this is my personal opinion and what the medicine has showed me. So like I said, I feel like mushrooms um, is more, obviously shorter, you know, the period of, you know, how long it lasts when you're doing it. Um, but it's more intense for me, but it's more playful as well. Okay. But then with, and it's this like childlike energy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know how to explain it. And then with San Pedro, who is called the grandfather. And for me, it's like, even when it gets really hard and I feel like they all take you to the same place. That's another interesting thing that I've noticed. They just take you there in a different way. But mm-hmm. with San Pedro, it's like, even when you're going through a hard period with him, he has his arm around your shoulder like a grandfather. I see him as this, like a Santa Claus, but like with different kind of clothing and skinny Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And that's how it feels like when I'm working with him. But also San Pedro is more, it's more body. Okay. So it's more like you're not, you're flying sometimes, but it's more like physical. Okay, um, you can feel it in your grounding. body. Yeah, so it's more, at least that's been my experience and the clients that I've worked with. Um, And for me, I always get like a bigger picture type of thing with San Pedro. It's like Mm. it gently shows you things and puts things together that you maybe gotten information from the mushrooms and you get like bits and pieces. Mm. And not always, but that's kind of like in a majority of time, that's how it's worked for me. You know, I like, I like how you said they all kind of take you to the same spot, like, because I kind of uh, felt the same way with my experiences with psychedelics. Um, you I had ayahuasca, was it? Uh, yeah, so ayahuasca is the one I worked with probably the most and I'm most familiar with. And ever mm-hmm. since I started it, I've just kind of, I've thrown everything else out. And like, I'm just like, this is what I have like a really, a real connection with. Uh-huh. And, um, but I, you know, I've, I've tried mushrooms and LSD and stuff like that back in the day. And, uh, I, I, I do know that how you, it takes you to that psychedelic realm, I guess it's the same place. It like, you kind of feel it. So I do like that, but it's kind of funny now that I'm kind of talking with a lot of people who do work like you. Um, mm-hmm. it's funny how everybody kind of gives, uh, almost a gender to like the medicine they work with a gender or maybe a spirit or some sort of kind of thing, uh, with it and maybe i i don't know i I guess i have i'm not that intuitive yet to kind of feel that but uh, can you maybe can i stop you yeah i'm gonna stop you right there so i don't want you or anyone and this is what comes with clients a lot and they say i'm not that intuitive like i don't understand i wish i had that guidance Mm. the only reason you don't have the guidance is because you don't listen to it okay for each person it's there all the time okay so stop telling yourself that you don't have it we're not intuitive because you are Okay. And, uh, but like when you uh, talk about these medicines and you say like, uh, cause I, when you talked about mushrooms, it seemed like you said her. And then when you talked about San Pedro, you said like a grandfather, like, do you, is this how you kind of like experience them? So obviously there it's out there, you know, ayahuasca is the grandmother, um, San Pedro is the grandfather and then mushrooms are the children. Mm. Right. So obviously I had that, like idea already in my head as I went into it but then I saw visions of these energies so I call it more it's like people are describing the energy they feel and these plants have a vibration and energy that mm. they come with because because of what they are right okay. um, so I feel like that's why people kind of have the same description but it's a bit different but they feel the energy they just don't necessarily know how to describe it Okay. And with Aya, it's interesting. And then also, what I've noticed, so I, ayahuasca was never something that I was really drawn to. It was never, even though it's everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's something that it's right now. 
and she's calling me to come in. But what is interesting is when I work with medicine, either myself or when I do shamanic work with people and, and she comes in anyway, it's like I've worked with her before. So her energy pops in and she comes to kind of assist me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I like uh, yeah. And like, uh, I know like uh, how you said, like the medicine has to choose you. Like uh, mm -hmm. there is that feeling of like, you're getting called to do this. Like that the exact same, same thing happened to me when I first tried ayahuasca and every time I tried it afterwards, it's like, I had this intuitive feeling like, okay, this is the right time. And like, usually when I have that feeling all of a sudden, like uh, eventually, like I get like uh, somebody like, you know a message or somebody emailing me saying this is happening or whatever the opportunity just comes and pops its way in and then also there's like all right time to do it <laughs> yeah the universe is listening the same way that um you know facebook when you talk about things and same the right ads pop up so when you have the readiness and you speak about it yeah i guess the, the same but in a bigger scale like then it starts to bring it to your awareness i guess the universe is the biggest algorithm out there right? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, all right. So I, I do love this whole idea of um, you helping people um, transform. You're using, uh, help them get through this uh, psychedelic experience, which can be very tough for some people. So sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I'm, I'm like this. Can I interrupt you? Please, please. I have something to say to what we were just talking about. Uh, okay. So when people say that, that this is my medicine, right? Like I didn't really, I'm not really... Like I had an experience with this medicine, but it wasn't my medicine. So sometimes the reason why they think it's not their medicine, the other aspect is that they didn't do it with the right set setting intention, respect and the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, so they had a bad experience with say mushrooms and it wasn't a bad experience. And it's not that it's not their medicine, but they did it in a way that left them traumatized because they didn't know how to do it correctly or, you know, not in the right environment. It could have been, used as a party drug or you know what i mean so then they have this idea they keep telling themselves it's not my medicine because i had a bad experience of course and uh yeah like set and setting is probably like the oh, most yeah mm -hmm. and um so i guess when you're helping people with this set and settings like one of the first things you probably take into <laughs> account it's that but it begins from their actual readiness for the medicine mm. Okay. And um, so how do you like, uh, actually, are you there with uh, like your, the people you're coaching, like throughout the whole experience? Is, are you kind of there as a guide so, kind of thing? Oh, and we can maybe throw the disclaimer here in the middle now. Okay. I forgot to say it because it kind of goes into this. So I think we're both, we're not advocating to use, or that is from, true for me. I'm not advocating to use these medicines where they're not legal. That's mm -hmm. not what my work is about or my, me talking about them. But mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing them and they are really helpful and they are doing them in places where it is illegal and also even by themselves. And I just want people to be safe and have all the information they need to do it the best way possible for them and get the most out of their experience. So that's more, I think, you know, where we're both at. A hundred percent. And hopefully it will be legalized, but... Um, but that's another topic that we can maybe talk about why that's a bit problematic as well. Of course. And uh, so how, how do you help with like people like integrating their experiences? Cause I think that's probably the biggest thing about when you do these substances, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think pre-integration is as important, if not even more than the post. Okay. Um, and I, so I do this with people, whether they do, do it by themselves or if they do it with someone else, uh, which I would always recommend never do these medicines alone if you do beaker doses. Uh, but you want to go into your journey in a way that you are with the people and in an environment and in the mind space where you can fully relax into the experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the things that I work through with people before but also you want to know what to do after you come home because when you come you need to prepare your space your you know who you have around you want to might want to talk to your who you live with or if you have a partner or family members around that i might need a bit of space before i come back mm -hmm. so don't bombard me with questions and don't get offended if i don't want to talk about it 
And yeah. you want to clear your environment, you know, energetically, and you might want to clear it energetically, but also get rid of shit that you don't need because you're going to most likely come into that space as a different person. You don't want to have that old shit around anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things like that. And plus, you know, your diet and physically, mentally, spiritually, in all ways, you want to be prepared for the journey so you can get most out of it and then know what to do after. But then also, and I use this metaphor a lot, it's that people they go to the peak of the mountain and they think they need to always have medicine to go there. And integration helps you stay, not crash straight down when you're done with your, with your journey. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Also, the medicine doesn't want to, and this is the message I get all the time. They don't want to handicap you. They're here to teach you and guide you and show you the place within where they take you, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. So the idea is for you, like I hear these, I just had a conversation with a client and she was telling me about her, her healer friend who and doesn't work with medicine herself, but she goes and does um, ceremonies twice a month. Okay. And I'm like, that's too much because you're not really integrating all of that and doing the work that medicine shows you to do. Yeah, of course. Mm. And like, uh, like you were saying, you get that like, peak of the mountain experience and the whole thing is to come out of it and be able to kind of still be able to get yeah we'll still be able to get to that experience right exactly exactly because one we don't want to be there all the time the work is and i did a post about this the work is here you go up there to get a better view of what the work down here is Mm. then you come down and you do the work but it's easier because you remember that place exactly everything is clear and you know Mm-hmm. And if you don't do the work like afterwards, mm-hmm. it, like the experience just kind of almost becomes no. useless, right? No. And then it, in a way, it makes you feel even less powerful yourself. Mm-hmm. You and know then, what I mean? oh, Because yeah. the power within you comes from you going through adversity and going through suffering and transforming it into something else. And if mm-hmm. you don't do that work, you feel... And this was another conversation I had with, with a client um, few days ago when she was telling me about how she's going to like she's gone to all these healers and all these people astrologists and everyone to find help and I said it's important to go and it's beautiful to go and see people like that or people like me sometimes but if you do it all the time you're actually you're thinking that you you need everyone else to do that for you mm-hmm. right? And you're forgetting that you have the power here. Like I had, I was doing shamanic work for a client and she, I remember that was, I thought it was so beautiful. And I think it's important thing to maybe mention um, that she had all these crystals around her neck, you know, for protection. And in the middle of it, all of a sudden she just took them all and she's like, fuck, I don't need them. And she was putting them aside. And I said, you know that it's you, it's not this. And she's like, yes, like these are powerful, beautiful tools to have or people around you, healers and all kinds of people, but ultimately you don't need any of it. Mm-hmm. Right? No, yeah, of course. And you're powerful. When you're strong here, nothing can hurt you. Yes, these are beautiful to work with, but you don't need them. And yeah, and you need to have that uh, self-empowerment. If you don't have that, then what do you have, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yes, Go and have sessions with people and help them guide you along, but then come back to your own power and mm-hmm. do the work. And yeah, and do the work. And I think that is like uh, anybody who wants to try these uh, medicines, they need to understand that because if you don't do the work, it's just, it just becomes escapism, right? It just Exactly. And it's another addiction and it's just a form of spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and the worst thing is, is just to try to constantly get back to that place by yeah. having to take these medicines because... Um, then you keep telling yourself that I can't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's another belief that you, it's bullshit belief, but you keep reinforcing it by that behavior, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, it becomes, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, that's not the way you want to do it. And like, yeah do the work afterwards and like uh, trust me when you do have these experiences you'll come out of it under or you should come out of it understanding like okay this is the kind of work you've done but again our opinion right mm-hmm. everybody has and it's, it's okay if you think differently than me and you that's okay that's your path but that's that's just what i've learned and what i know 
for me. True that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. So like uh, now that we're seeing these um, medicines becoming like very culturally like uh, popular, and uh-huh. um, we're even now starting to get them legalized and everything. Like uh, you're starting to see kind of like clinical like psychology and stuff and therapy and everything kind of coming into this as well. Like. Uh, what what are your uh, how, how do you look at that uh, when you see like a clinical psychologist like uh, now uh, running these kind of therapies with like mushrooms or MDMA and stuff like that? Um, so first of all, what I'm about to say is everybody. I want to believe that everyone who is in the helping field does the best they know for the greatest good of their client, regardless. They do the best with what they know now, mm-hmm. right? So this is in no way a judgment to anyone who wants to give these medicines to their clients, whether they're clinicians, psychologists, whoever it is, right? Yeah. So I just want to put that out there because I don't want this to sound like I'm like going like this. Um, but I feel that the problem, I mean, it's good that the conversation is open and people are seeing the results because there's so many clinical trials being done. Um, and people who are intellectual and they need to see that data. And I get it because I was that person. I still kind of am at times. Um, but when it, when it gets to a point where it's legalized and it, it looks like the medical industry is going to be determining who has the access to it, right? Yeah. So a lot of the, the shamans and the traditional people still won't be able to use it with their clients legally. Right. So that's a problem, I think. And hopefully that will change one day. But in the hands of clinicians. So this is this is what kind of woke me up. And I started doing quite a lot of questioning around it and asking around and and looking what's going on. Um, And I've shared this story a few times. And I had a client uh, from the US and she has big history with trauma. And she told me that she's never done mushrooms before. And she, her psychologist had suggested to her to do, to help with the trauma and what she was struggling with. So when she went into the session and before they began, they offered her Valium and Xanax just in case it gets so hard that she needs to come out of it. And then they gave her, I think, five grams of mushrooms and MDMA all in one go. And she was in tears. So there's so many things that are wrong from the get-go with this story. They did give her both mushrooms and MDMA at the same time? At the same time for someone who's never had them. But I think the bigger problem is the offering of Valium and Xanax. Because So she called me and she was in tears because she wasn't guided through into her darkness. She was like said, okay, if it gets scary, come out. And they couldn't explain and make her understand that it were shadows who were coming to the surface and just for her to let them go, just be aware of them, acknowledge them, see them so they can be released. And mm-hmm. she was pulled out of it because she got scared and nobody told her what to do because they didn't understand the medicine. So she was in tears when she called me. She's like, I don't know what to do. Like this, I come home and I, I'm like, everything is, I don't know what to do. And I just thought, okay, something is wrong here. Um, so the problem that with this, for example, just as an example, Valium and Xanax, when I'm prepping someone for their journey, there's nothing to be afraid of that you need to be pulled out of it, out of it with, um, with pharmaceuticals. Yeah. That's really telling the person that there's something scary within you and this is something scary and out of control and we might need to pull you out of it, which is yeah. bullshit. And right? don't, like yeah. Like the prep is done in such a way that she's already like petrified going into it. That, yeah. um, so, so that's the problem, I think, is that a lot of clinicians, some of them, not all, but some maybe never even sat with the medicine. Like for me, I don't think you should, you should whether it's shamanic or sitting for someone, you should never do that for a person unless you've experienced that specific medicine. Yeah, you to the same place. You need to know how it feels to be there, right? of course, and like probably have taken it many times and like have a very comfort exactly. level and understanding exactly. of it. So, uh, what I would love to see is that, uh, and this is a platform that I want to establish at some point, um, where I 
can have an educational platform for clinicians to come and learn about the tradition, learn about the medicine. They understand the medicine, right? Respect the medicine and see the spiritual aspect of it and how it actually works outside of clinical, you know, trials. Mm -hmm. um, and then who doesn't want to come, that's fine. But at least you have the education and then there would be, people who do shamanic work all over the world that I know that are good and they're doing it from the right place. And then they could just hire a shaman from their area to come and sit with them for the client. And uh, but I think that's the biggest thing is that when you pull the spirit kind of out of it and you're giving a medicine that already kind of splits what the whole experience is about. And I just want people to be more educated and understand this. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, there's just so much wrong with that. Like, uh, yeah, offering somebody value just before it, like, like you said, it just um, it makes them not even confront their demons. Which is like, if you're gonna heal trauma, you need to like that's gonna be a part of it, probably. Like, that's most probably and that, gonna. And that's the, that's the gift of the medicine. It's mm -hmm. allowing you to let go of those heavy burdens you've been carrying your whole life, mm -hmm. or maybe you know ancestral things or for your parents for you know and that, that's what the medicine is trying to gift you and then somebody is giving you value to pull you out of it it's like what? no it's, it seems like the weirdest support, thing to do right? yeah so support the person in the process tell them that it's okay because and, it is okay. yeah and uh yeah <laughs> and then the whole idea of like somebody not even experiencing it and then giving somebody five grams of mushrooms which is just uh that's a, a lot of mushrooms like that just seems like oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah. And then when you were asking how I work otherwise, so I, so this has been the new thing that has popped up for me is, so I do shamanic work through. So when people go into ceremony and if they don't have anyone there, they have someone to look after them, but they don't have anyone there. So it started happening to me and I'm like, okay, what is this? And it's like a new layer of weirdness. Um, so they can invite me into their ceremony and I can do shamanic work on them while they're in the medicine. And sometimes they can see me um, while they go up there doing the work while I'm doing it at home. So that's something new that I can assist with, even though I can do it here legally, unfortunately yet, but in retreats one day, that's in the plans in other places where we can. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, okay. That's uh, that's impressive. I, I wish you the best of luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hoping to save for myself. All right, I want to talk a little bit about some of the transformations you made in your life. Um, okay. I was reading about uh, like a little bit on, on of your bio, and um, mm -hmm. it seems like uh, you struggled a lot with eating disorders and perfectionism, like mostly. Um, I guess it was years ago, but this is like kind of where you're, I'm not, I actually, I don't know exactly when the timeline is, but like, this is kind of where your um, transformation, like where you kind of started learning about transformation and some of your biggest transformations came from was uh, learning to get, uh, heal yourself from those. Um, can you maybe like share a little bit about how that happened? Oh my goodness. Um, so for me, I, I struggled with eating disorders since I was 15 on up oh. to my like, mid-30s. Oh, wow. And it, it's something that it never goes away because you always have to eat. Yeah. But also, I don't want to call it. So it's like, it's, it's there. And I notice the thoughts come up sometimes, but I'm aware of them and I know where they're coming from and I know what to do with them, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, and with eating disorders in general, what I just want to put out there as well, and I've spoken about it a few times, is that it's, I don't want to say that I or anyone else had an eating disorder or anything. It's just your way of dealing with emotions that nobody taught you how to deal with. Okay. So it can be, you know, alcohol, it can be drugs, whatever, or mm -hmm. trauma or things that happen to, to you, for you, or emotions or things that you don't know what to do with because you were not taught it. And then you find something to numb them down or something because you need something, right? Mm -hmm. when it gets overwhelming so i feel like we need to talk about more of that and not put a label on somebody's head and then that's what it is yeah like it all stems from the same place when you get so far from who you really are and you layer yourself with people's expectations and this conditioning from the society and like i grew up in a family where my brother is this high achiever 
person who <laughs> like feels like whatever he touches turns to gold. Mm -hmm. And I always try to emulate that as the younger sister. And I always, and, and I'm a spiritual, this weird woo-woo person. And now I'm kind of embracing it fully. Um, and, and he was an engineer and, you know, all of these kind of things. And I'm like, I wanted to be him. And I slowly began to forget my power and what I'm about, right? Because I tried to become like him mm -hmm. to get validation and that acceptance and that love and all of that from my family. Um, and I feel like that's how a lot of us, where that comes from is like you, you start to forget who you are and you start to try to be something you're not, which is part of perfectionism because then you begin to need that validation from everyone but yourself. And you mm. slowly have to, and transformation for me has been, and that's kind of the key sentence that I use is to strip away the layers that are not you. And the transformation happened after I started taking those layers away and I remembered me. And it took me, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah. And it's still happening. Like now I'm so close to it and I, it makes me sad to look back and think all the things that happened and how lost I felt and it was always here. Yeah. But that's like, you have to go through that to learn and to, to be where I am today. So a big message maybe to people would be to embrace your suffering because it's your greatest teacher and we're not here to have rainbows and butterflies all the time because you don't evolve and grow at all if that's the case all the time. Yep, and uh, I think that's like what the psychedelic experience kind of teaches us is like, stop trying to fight the experience like whatever emotion or suffering or even if it's bliss whatever it is that comes up like experience and be fully with it and uh that that sorry say that again surrender to it surrender to it exactly and uh yeah em embrace your suffering I, I do like that because like um like you were saying like when we have that suffering and we don't know how to handle suffering or emotions we run away to different stuff and like yeah everybody has their different and, and that's the thing i think and i wish i could give people some people i wish i could show them what i see but i can't because they have to go through their thing but suffering becomes suffering when we resist what is happening to us mm -hmm. and, and it's happening to us because you ask for that to happen to you for you right mm -hmm. so if we would see the bigger picture and we could see the, the path that you laid for you. And we could see, you know, that you're still guided throughout. And you can see, it's like, I call them the breadcrumbs. And in one journey, I could see these synchronicities and things that I see. And it's like, oh, what is this? What is this? And it like, it keeps you there. And I could see them placing them, this pur color purple that always pulls me. Or, you know, certain things that are along, it's like, it pulls you back. And it's like, somebody's looking after me. It's mm. all over it's mm -hmm. everywhere and it's like you're not you're not suffering for no reason just embrace and it's like oh this is going to be my biggest learning i'm going to be more me after this and trust that it's there for a reason because it is yeah and uh yeah and that trust is a big thing too isn't it like you have to have that inner trust like you're meant to experience this you and uh that allows you to actually accept it and experience it uh, fully that and but, it, but i think trust comes through practice yeah and trust comes through and this is what i just got tattooed which is my one of my favorite things um to say trust comes from finding comfort in between letting go and letting come oh, okay the middle space is the hard space when you're letting go of something right mm -hmm. and then the trust you find the trust in the middle when the letting come is not there yet yeah and you okay. have to practice that surrender between letting go of something that was comfortable for you and you knew and being in that middle space where you don't know what's going to come exactly but you trust that it's going to be okay yeah uh -huh, yeah. And psychedelic medicine is the is the thing that for me gave me that trust because I was questioning everything. I'm such in my in my mind kind of person. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, when you see it all and all the things you questions are just shown to you, and it's like, okay, now I can trust because I remember this place and I know that it's there. Not everybody needs medicine necessarily for this, of but course. for me, 
Like I could just go and think, okay, what is my next story and my next step? I don't need to know the whole picture because I know that it's okay. And mm-hmm. magic starts to happen when you do that. It uh, really does. <laughs> That's just been my experience. Yeah. And uh, actually, like, uh, even like when I was starting to work with ayahuasca, I remember the first few times because it's so new and it's kind of scary and overwhelming. Like, there was like resistance in me, especially with the experience, like I'm fighting it when it gets a little too overwhelming and stuff like that. But after like, maybe my third time or fourth time, that's when I really was just like, you know what, like, I've been with this medicine before, and it's always helped me. And then like, I developed this like deep, deep trust with it. And that like, just made the experience just go so much deeper and like made me learn so much more about myself. And, uh, and take so much more out of the experience and so like yeah that that trust is uh <laughs> it is something uh that uh yeah it's something that's like practice. really profound and practice yeah. you got to practice it yeah. and um one so i i put up a post about this and i want to do this with you too so let's turn the tables for two seconds mm-hmm. what has been the most profound experience or lesson or teaching that you have learned with ayahuasca? Uh, I guess it would have been my second time doing it in the jungle. And um, so like I drank it and within like uh, 15 minutes, I threw it up. And uh, so I was just kind of sitting there the whole night kind of thinking like, did I throw it up? Like, is it in me? And like, I wasn't experiencing anything. And then finally I was just kind of like a couple hours in and I can tell everybody else is like completely in- immersed in their trips. And like, I wasn't experiencing anything. So I just went back to my hut and I'm like, ah, I think I'm done for the night. But then all of a sudden it like hit me hard. And like, I started getting a fever. I started getting like, um, yeah, I just started like getting pain all over and I I just started getting like an anxiety attack and panic. And I was like, Oh, what's going on? What's going on? And like, uh, I just was like completely fighting it and just completely scared of it. And then all of a sudden, you were alone. Yeah, I I went, uh, yeah, because I left the ceremony. So now I'm just in my hut by myself. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, like, I realized this is the medicine doing it to me. And it kind of, like, it, it kind of communicates with you, not with words, but you know how, it, like, it communicates you, uh, with you, where you're kind of, like, understanding what it's saying to you. But it was telling me, like, it was showing me, like, how much pain is in the world and, like, how lucky you are to, like, not experience, like, so much pain that's out there. And mm-hmm. it was telling you, like, you're never grateful for anything in your life. And it was showing me like how ungrateful I was for it and like how I never am grateful. And that's mm-hmm. when like, I, I started like, like I started pleading with the medicine. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll be grateful. <laughs> you know, I started like going like that. And I'm like, oh, I promise, I promise. And that's when I went and I purged harder than I ever have before. I just started throwing mm-hmm. up like, just insane. And then like this calmness came over me and I just went on my bed and that's when I, first like experienced gratefulness like through my whole body as just mm-hmm. something that like just emanates through my whole being and mm-hmm. uh yeah and then like it just showed me my whole life it showed me like all the important people in my life and why I should be grateful for them and um ever since then like gratefulness has just been a part of like who I am and mm-hmm. and that like really changed me like it, like well you know how powerful gratefulness is like so when you can kind of carry that around into everyday life and like you said integration I try to like uh I try to remind myself of gratefulness all the time and I know the feeling like I know the feeling of gratefulness now like it's there with me so yeah that's mm-hmm. that's easily the most uh or the yeah, that's easily the ayahuasca trip. That was the biggest, uh, uh, most profound in my life for sure. Oh, that's super beautiful. Thank you for sure. <laughs> hey, no worries. <laughs> Thank you. For and that. with that, I actually, when you were talking, so that's something that I think people should know when we're talking about um, pre-integration. And this is what makes a bad trip for someone in addition to so many other things is their expectation of how it should be because Mm -hmm. they hear of other people's experiences. I've had, if I give you an example of an experience where I um, was journeying with, uh, with mushrooms and I took quite a big dose in that journey. And all of a sudden I'm just sitting there and nothing happened. 
right? And I was expecting answers and all this information and journey properly. And I'm like, but nothing's happening. Mm. And, and then the big lesson from that was that it's already in me. I don't need you anymore or I don't need them anymore. You know what I mean? So sometimes the biggest lessons, or I have a friend who I did um, journey in Amsterdam for a retreat and she had one of those journeys where everybody else was having these massive cathartic experiences around her and she's like, fuck, nothing's happening. And that was two times in a row. And now eight months on and she said her entire life has changed. So it works on you. So don't have this idea of how it should be because sometimes it doesn't work the way you think it works. Let's put it this way, right? Like even if you don't physically get anything, it's still working on you. So just embrace it and be aware of the changes to come. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just happen in the journey. It happens months after. Hell yeah. And like how you said, like just nothing happening and like making that, giving you that understanding, like, Hey, it's in you. Sometimes that's the biggest push for you because like some, I've had that happen. Like maybe I, I think it was like my fifth ayahuasca trip or something. Cause I was doing it every year. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I remember I had like a really calm trip that didn't have much of anything pop in, but like it gave me that feeling of like, you don't need me right now. Right. And, and then like you come out of that completely motivated because you're like, well, now I don't have any medicine to fall <laughs> back on. Like I better go out there and make some shit happen. <laughs> so, so how about your, uh, I was going to say, how about yourself then? Like, uh, uh, do you have like a profound uh, experience from medicine that like stands out like to you? Every single one of them. But I yeah. think one, well, this was, this was with Pedro where I went through 10 hours of, I would call it the cosmic void. And I thought I'm stuck there. And I went through lives like, some of them were mine and some of them were other people's lives where nobody, I couldn't experience or see anyone, but I was experiencing the lowest of low. Oh, this is a human see it, you know, a person in a concentration camp. And I, I was a whore on the street and I could feel how they felt. And this was my 10 hours. And I was like, fuck, this is just rough, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then the big thing, I mean, there was a lot of things that came out of it, but the big thing that I, learn and it became part of my life's mission is to make sure that every person whoever they are whatever they do whatever is going on in their life I want them to feel seen and know that their life matters because it does because I (laughs) (laughs) because I felt how it how it feels like to be nothing Mm-hmm. right sorry no, so that was um that was huge and then another one that i had with mushrooms was where i could see the split of the timelines and i went to the source and they showed me everything and i remember when i came back and and or oh, i felt like i'm coming back and i asked will i forget this and they said, not this time because you're the great rememberer. And I never forgot since. So it's like, oh. I can go back there and see this view and then come back. And that's, yeah. So I think, but that was also, you know, the feeling of the ego death where you're like fully, and that's the trust bit, right? You know, when you're, have you had this experience when you're pulled fully away from you? Yeah. And it's terrifying. It's and when you fight it, like, oh my God, what if I don't come back? And the suffering is in the middle before you let go. And then it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's uh, this last February when I went on like a ayahuasca retreat. That's where I finally got let go of it. I was doing like a lot of deep meditation like the months before. And I was mm-hmm. constantly getting into that place where you're like, it's, you can let just go of it all. That. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you, I would always pop out of it because I was just scared shitless. <laughs> the ego death, like when it's going, like when you feel it like leaving, it's, it's insanely like, uh, it's, it's very like scary. You're, it feels scary. like you're letting you feel go of everything. everything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, but also um, I don't want people to think like when we talk about ego death, that's not, 
one we need our ego to exist that's just the like the way we talk about it like mm -hmm. that's not the point of of that and also it's not necessarily something that you like this is what i need to get a lot of people you know people who are like that's why they do medicine because like, i want to have an ego death this is what i want and that's the ego wanting the ego death which is yeah. <laughs> you know, in itself you know what i mean and also it's did you have this i remember when i had this happen it's been like maybe twice and and they just said to me you asked for this i'm like fuck oh and really then, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that actually kind of sounds a little <laughs> like you're like, like oh damn it, right? into a hole here. <laughs> you asked for this <laughs> i got it seems like like a movie line or something <laughs> it was a, like a god punch to the ego yeah, yeah. like there you go yeah yeah <laughs> oh that's uh that's interesting um Okay, so on Instagram, you are Huna Works. So Huna, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I, I was kind of looking at what Huna is, and like it seems like it's a little bit of a philosophy based mm -hmm. in Hawaii. Like, could you maybe tell us a little bit about Huna? I didn't exactly know even what it meant. I had it tattooed. I was really drawn to the word mm -hmm. when I was in Hawaii, and I had it tattooed on me. And I'm like, then I started doing research after on it, and it's it's a philosophy for life and the main thing for me that i and i use it and it's part of so i was doing um body work which included lomi lomi as well which is part of that practice okay uh, and oponopono which is and you know oponopono right no i don't um so it's well it's a, that's another long story but it's a way of letting things go and healing you and healing others around you and letting go of so it's um for things that you say as a mantra it's yeah, hold on i love you i forgive you i'm sorry um thank you okay. and you keep saying it as a mantra as you do your meditation or you can have a thing that you want to let go of and you keep saying that mantra linked to that thing and it's clearing energetically oh, okay. clearing but yeah but huna for me is more about this whole idea of letting go on that income that I spoke about before about surrender about trust and where your energy where you put your energy that's what's going to come more into you your life yeah so it's a um there's seven I don't I can't remember them by heart but there's seven um um main laws in Huna did okay. you read them they were on the page ah uh, well. yeah I did read them I can't uh, remember do you them, have them? Do you have them do you have them I can I read do them. not <laughs> no Hold on, I will read them to you. Okay. So I don't really think about it for myself anymore because it's just that's just how I live my life. Mm -hmm. So seven principles. Aiki, the world is what you think it is. Kala, there are no limits. Everything is possible. Makia, energy flows where attention goes. Manava, now is the moment of power. Aloha, to love is to be happy. Mana, power comes from within. Pono, effectiveness is the measure of truth yeah those are beautiful it's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time yeah of course of course so like uh and like it's a very like empowerment self-empowerment kind it of is. message it is, it is. Um, and that you are and for me and with oponopono the key message is that everything that happens in your life you are responsible for even mm -hmm. if you're in an abusive relationship even if you get hit by a car whatever happens in your life it's because of you and owning that i was a victim most of my life you know i was blaming everyone for how my life was and how i was feeling and when you claim your power and you acknowledge the fact that i'm here because of me that also gives you the power to change your life hell yeah right so that was a huge like beginning of transformation for me when i took full responsibility for everything mm -hmm. And I think if, if more people would be brave enough to not leave the victim story and keep reinforcing that because it's easy, yeah. many lives would change. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I agree with that completely. Mm -hmm. um, all right, Suvi, I got to ask you the question of the podcast. So, uh, Suvi, God, yay or nay? Depends on the day. <laughs> all right that's okay that wasn't my question <laughs> for my answer um but for me i 
for me, universe is a feminine energy. Okay. So I would say God, if she was a woman. Some goddess. <laughs> and for me, God is not a person. It's energy. It's okay. the frequency of love, where we all came from, where we all will go when we're done with all of this. Mm. So yeah, I don't put a name for her because something that big cannot be sustained in a word. True that. All right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yo, Subi, thank you so much. This was an amazing uh, time. Um, please like, let people know where they can find you and follow you on uh, uh -huh. social media and stuff and anything you want to promote. Okay. So um, my everything for me and about me is Huna Works. I have a podcast that I don't really do that much anymore. I might pop a few episodes. Maybe I do one with you. I don't know. Oh, um, but it's called The Elephant in the Room. Um, and you can listen to those on all the platforms or my website has them as well. So website is Huna Works and Instagram is Huna Works. And that's kind of where I spent most of my time. Um, and then for me, what's coming. So if you want a free mushroom and dosing guide, which gives you a bit more than just about dosing, more about how to approach the medicine, that's on my website. You can get that. And there's um, pre and post courses and education coming soon nice. for you that you can get from the website as well. And if you need my help, just uh, message me and, um, and we'll see if I'm the right person. I might not be. All right. Not for everyone. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Suvi. Thank you for having me. All right. That was this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. It really does help. And also check me out on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at NewerKidY. On Facebook, it's Comedian. I'm constantly putting updates about the podcast when new ones come out. I put up podcast clips. And, uh, yeah, I also put up comedy stuff, comedy dates, comedy clips, and different stuff like that. So uh, you can come check out, have a laugh, and get keep up to date on the podcast. Until next time, this is another episode of God Yay or Nay. <laughs>